either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. More video games, shoes, paint, all kinds of stuff this week. Welcome. <laughs> this is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start out with a sports drama. Follows the history of shoe salesman Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in his pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball. What? Michael Jordan. (laughs) It's called Air. I'm willing to bet my career on one guy. My name's Sonny Vaccaro. I'm with Nike. Do you typically make it a habit of showing up at people's front doors unannounced? I don't like to take no for an answer. Oh, man. Here we go. You ask me what I do here. This is what I do. I find you players, and I feel it this time. Yeah, okay, it's risky. When you were selling sneakers out of the back of your Plymouth, that was risky. Don't change that now. For a rookie? Yes. Who's never set foot on an NBA court. That's the literal definition of rookie. Yeah. What's the plan? We build a shoe line around just him. I need the greatest basketball shoe that's ever been made. Who's the player? Michael Jordan. Your motor is I feel like I need to point out that when we talked about this on TV this morning, you wore a Cavs t-shirt. Because it's the only thing I have that had a, a, a Jordan logo on it. But the logo is hidden by your jacket. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to play along. But look, Michael Jordan is great. I'm a LeBron guy, but hey, Michael Jordan, I'm not going to say he wasn't one of the all-time greatest players ever. And this is a great story. It's it a is. compelling story. And it's a it's it's the latest from director Ben Affleck. And I'm I, anybody that's listening to this podcast, I assume you know that Ben Affleck has directed a few f- films now. And he's a this is another reminder that he's a damn good director. He really is. So the town was great. Uh, Argo, of course, was great in one best picture. And my favorite is his first, which was Gone Baby Gone, which Gone I thought Baby was just Gone. a great piece of directing. Although the town is also a great piece of piece. It of is. It really is. And, Slipped um, a little with Live by Night, yep. but I think I like it a little better than you did. But um, this is another, he, he knows how to structure a story. He really does, yeah. And, and you know, it, there, are, there are funny moments. It's not a comedy at all, but there are absolutely funny moments because in life there are funny moments. And right. that's what it feels like. It, it feels does. Like, and, um, and uh, I mean, the cast is incredible. And also, even though the direction is, is not a surprise, shouldn't be for Ben Affleck uh, at this stage of the game, but... The script, because it's a debut screenplay from Alex Convery, and apparently, in, in reading up on him a little bit, apparently he's had a few scripts that have made that blacklist, right. which is a list of the, the best... best unproduced screenplays. Right, so he's been out there, but he was apparently inspired by the ESPN documentary called Soul Man, which told the story of this Sonny Vaccaro, who was a shoe rep, and they called him a Mr. Miyagi of amateur basketball. He just knew everything about all the all the players from high school through college, all that. So he was inspired to write that script, and it's a great script. It really is. It's a great script. The dialogue is all, it's so natural, so organic. It's funny in it spots, but it's not a comedy. It moves the story along. It layers the story. It's a fantastic debut script. And, of course, he has a great cast to work with. It's all told through the eyes of Sonny Vaccaro, who's played by Matt Damon. And then you've got Ben Affleck in a role. You've got uh, Jason Bateman in a role. You've got the all-time great Viola F. Davis. And man, and so she doesn't have a ton of screen time, but she just owns it so much. Yeah, she plays Michael Jordan's mother, and apparently she was 
the shows handpicked by Michael himself, so he knows more than basketball, yeah, obviously. obviously. She's fantastic. Um, Chris Tucker as well. Chris yeah. Tucker plays a Nike executive. Yeah. And he's very good he as is. well. He, he is really very is. Good. So, and Affleck plays Phil Knight, uh, Nike CEO Phil Knight. And Phil Knight clearly is a little bit of an eccentric, eccentric guy. Yeah. And so Ben Affleck gets some good scenes, just in things he's wearing and when he doesn't wear shoes and his sunglasses. So he gets his shots in. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was a good a good choice to put Damon in in the lead role mm-hmm. because that's that's our that's our vessel into this story and it's a fantastic timestamp as well because it takes us to 1984 yeah and it's hard to believe then but for people that weren't around Nike basketball their basketball division was on the verge of being shut down yep. they were a running shoe company yep uh, the market share of basketball shoes was controlled by Adidas and Converse mm-hmm. Converse was number one. And so Sonny Vaccaro was brought in to try to change that. And he became convinced that they should stop trying to get as sign as many new players out of college as they could and just sign one. And that would be Michael Jordan. And of course, history has proven him to be a genius yes. because of the way things turned out. But another j- just like Argo did, Ben Affleck is able to take a piece of history that you know what happened yeah. and make it tense. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is pretty amazing how well he can do that, how well he can absorb you in the day-to-day, even when you, you know the outcome, you yeah. know the outcome, but still you're like, ooh, what's going to happen next? It's fascinating. And even in this one, I think he goes one better because about three-quarters through the movie, he inserts some archival footage that remind you of what happened yeah. before you go back to a final ultimatum from Mrs. Jordan in the Jordan camp, yeah. and you still are tense. What's going to happen? You are, he just reminded you. But- because you know what What you probably you know don't realize is that this, the lead up to this, to, to Air Jordans, the, the lead up to that changed history twice. Oh, my Lord, yes. Um, you know, forever. Uh-huh. And it, it's amazing. It's an incredible thing. And also what I, what I love is that then they're like, oh, let's not forget how amazing this Nike marketing team was because they were. Oh, my Lord. Everything about this was so groundbreaking. And, you know, if you did live through it, you sort of forget that. I know. And especially credit to the guy who, uh, uh, unfortunately, has passed away now. The guy who designed the shoe. The guy who probably came up with the name Air Jordan and who definitely came up with the idea of the Jumpman silhouette. Yeah. Man, that guy. And he's not even the marketing guy. Yeah. (laughs) He's the shoe designer. Yeah, so, so it's, a, it's, it's a fantastic story, even if you're not a sports fan. I mean, the, the story that it tells, and like you say, a piece of, of pop culture, a, a moment, a watershed moment that changed history. Yeah, because the truth is, there's not a ton of sports in it. Not really. It's not one of those movies that relies on sports cliches right. to d- generate its tension. I mean, you see basketball here and there, but it's it's not. It's, it's about, well, it's just about the tense sort of behind-the-scenes yeah. dealings. Yeah, that a lot of people may not realize, but it's... It's a story that almost immediately seems indispensable. Yeah. Like, this has to go along with his, the legacy of Jordan, which has grown so much now that he's such a he's such an icon in popular culture. But this has to be part of it. And they treat the, the character of Michael Jordan just the way they should. As, a, as they have said, as somebody said, it might have been the screenwriter in, in a piece that I read, as, quote, the shark, the in, shark Jaws, in Jaws, unquote. You see, like, there's an actor, you see, like, the back of his head. Mm-hmm a couple of words here and there, and you do see the real guy in archival footage. Mm-hmm. But other than that, this is not about him no, so much no. as the the goings-on that led to this deal. And it is fascinating. It is. It's fascinating. It's a great script. It's a great cast. It's really well-directed. 
And, uh, yeah, I, we, we have a big recommendation for it. Really, whether you're a sports fan or not, this is really worth checking out. And it's in theaters now, and it's called Air. Next is the latest video game movie, the story of the Super Mario Brothers on their journey through the Mushroom Kingdom animated adventure comedy called the Super Mario Brothers Movie. We will destroy the Mushroom Kingdom! Bowser is coming. I'm not afraid. I'll do anything for my brother. We're going to save him. Yes! Fire! Right now, this one I was trying to remember. I know I have played Donkey Kong right. more than a few times. I I don't know, but that doesn't count as Super Mario Brothers. Donkey Kong, that's a different game, correct? Are you honestly asking me? I am, I so am. I'm gonna guess it's like a suite of games. There's there's a, a, like a million different Super Mario okay. family of games. I'm just saying, if I've played Donkey Kong, does that mean I've played Super Mario? Because Mario is... I've not played any of them, George. No, you didn't play Donkey Kong? No. Okay. Uh-uh, no. At least, at least I never I... played video games except one time as a bartender, there was one where you shoot zombies. I used to play that after I got <laughs> off work. It's the only video game. And I don't remember okay. the name of it. That's well, the only I, video game I've ever played Then I'll say I played life. half of this then. I don't know whether I get credit for Super Mario Ms. Brothers. Ms. Pac-Man a couple Ms. times. Ms. Pac-Man. Okay. But the point is... This is Super Mario. A Donkey Kong is a part of that. Uh-huh. Then you've got Princess, Princess Peach. Peach. Yeah. This is that. Bowser. Um, yeah. It's uh, and uh, Chris Pratt is the voice of of Mario, and um, Charlie Day is the voice of Luigi. <laughs> that seems perfect. It really does. He's and, so and, manic. Right. People have complained that they don't sound like the video game, so they didn't hire somebody to you know to to have this big exaggerated stereotypically Italian accent. Right. Um, and they actually address that at the very, very beginning of the movie in a kind of a funny way. But the truth is that probably would have been offensive to watch for 90 minutes. Chris Pratt, he does it. He's he's a fine voice for like the always earnest and optimistic, you know, go getter Mario. And then, yeah, Charlie Day is perfect for this sort of hapless, dumbass Luigi keeps getting himself in trouble. Uh, and um, and then uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is Princess Peach and Jack Black is Bowser. That's. Right there, nice, chef's kiss with that nice, because nice. he also gets a little. Uh, I, I don't know if it. Musical he gets num- a little musical number. Perfect, yes. A very tenacious D style. <laughs> that is one of the best scenes, and you know, so the 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 Mario brothers, they're just trying to be plumbers in in Brooklyn, and they got they get sucked into this pipe, and they wind up in two different realms. Mario ends up in the very colorful realm, and and teams up with the princess to to try to save Luigi, as you expect. This mm-hmm. is what you expect to happen. Yeah. And they, they come up with different ways to sort of homage the games themselves, where why do they have to climb these things and go through these pipes? And, and it's fun. It's not genius. It's very colorful. I think one of the things to know going into it, it is absolutely a child's movie. It is a children's film. Right. Um, and so, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't spend a lot of time in the scary part, which was, I'm gonna lie, not going to lie to you, my favorite part. There are these, these turtles that are like skeleton Zombie zombies. Zombie-like, yeah. Yeah, and then they're like these sort of little, sort of little demon soldiers with like masks. I, I would like to have just stayed in the dark realm mm-hmm. a lot longer, but that's just me. Well, this is- I am not the target audience. No, and it's not even PG-13. This is PG. Yeah, it's a kid's movie. Right. It's very, very brightly colored. They keep the, the storyline really simple. It does, I mean- because they do seem to homage the different games and levels throughout the whole film, 
it becomes a little tedious. I don't want to spoil anything for gamers, so I'm not going to tell you what they are. I'm just going to say each one might go on a little bit long in terms of a narrative film. Mm -hmm. However, the whole movie's only 90 minutes, so it's not that big a deal. So I don't think anybody is going to love it. I don't think it's going to be anybody's favorite movie. That uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, I think, might become that for gamers. But it is perfectly serviceable. It's yeah. it's fun, it's entertaining, it's light, it's colorful. Writer is Matthew Fogel, did The Rise of Gru uh, and some other family films. Yeah. And the, the directors, uh, Aaron Horvath, Michael Jelenic, and Pierre Leduc. The members of that team have been involved with Teen, Teen Titans, Titans, Teen Titans Go, and also some Despicable Me movies. So they've been around the yeah. the children's, the animated uh, adventures. So, yeah, I mean, it's Easter weekend. you got it's the kids. Fun. You want to go. Yeah, and very colorful and fast moving. And like you said, just 90 minutes yeah. or so in and, in and out. So, yeah, probably going to be an enjoyable time, but not up there with Dungeons & Dragons. Or um, or Tetris that we saw last week. Well, my favorite character is actually uh, Lumley, this uh, this star who's waiting happily for death and is like, just tormenting uh, with her weird sayings. Everybody, all the other prisoners, she's funny. <laughs> and also Keegan Michael Key is a voice. Fred Armisen is mm-hmm. a voice as well. So you've got some Seth Rogen. Yeah, Seth Rogen. And that is the Super Mario Brothers movie in theaters now. Next up is a comedy drama where Owen Wilson portrays Carl Nargle, Vermont's number one public television painter, who is convinced he has it all. Signature perm, custom van, fans hanging on his every stroke, until a younger, better artist steals everything and everyone Carl loves. This is paint. A real artist follows his heart. My Uber is here. I don't know what that is. It's goodbye. How's everything going? Awesome. Carl is one-dimensional and very sexist. You know I don't care what people say about me. PBS Burlington. Carl stole my newspaper. Yes, we're aware that Carl is stealing newspapers. Please hold. Well, a lot of people, including myself, when you first saw this trailer, you thought, oh, this is about Bob Ross. Yeah. It is not. No. Do not think this movie is about Bob Ross, because it's not. It's a character that certainly resembles Bob Ross. It's kind of a riff on Bob Ross. It's a riff on a lot of things, but it goes off in in different directions that, uh, believe it's... Well, a quick look at some of the scores. Um, This movie's getting horrible reviews. It is. Horrible. I don't think it's horrible. No. I, I kind of enjoyed it. But it's clever. But you have to have a certain sense of humor. This is dry. So dry. So, so dry. Don't think, as, as we were talking this morning on the TV gig, one of the hosts thought, well, Owen Wilson, maybe something like Wedding Crashers. No. No. This is so, so bone dry. But they get, the, they get their shots in because he is, he's working at this PBS station in Burlington, Burlington Vermont. Vermont, and they, you know, they take riffs on that. The whole culture the, with not only Vermont but uh, the PBS thing, and he is a Bob Ross type character, and it really starts to be a riff on self-absorbed, well, men, self-absorbed mm-hmm. white men mm-hmm. who cannot handle when anybody else gets anything because that takes away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, this fragility of this character, and, it's, and it can be a metaphor standing in for a lot of other things. It doesn't see it through to the end, right. but it gets its shot that way because, yeah, he's he's king of the world, his little world there, but they get a new show, a new painting show, was Painting with Ambrosia, and she comes on right after he does. Ambrosia is played by Ciara Renee, 
And then he's, his world starts collapsing a little bit, and he doesn't know what to do about that. This is written and directed by Britt McAdams, who really has his only resume shows work on Tosh.0 yeah. and then a Cat Williams special. So especially... I was worried. Yeah, I was too. I was. I thought, if this is going to wind up being some kind of... Because, you know, Tosh.0 humor is not my humor. It's and it's very certainly much not dry. Guys being sexist and isn't that hilarious. I hate Tosh.0. And it's, and it's certainly not this really dry stuff. That no. is very in your face. Yes. Very that type of humor. This is not that. Um, but when it's funny, I, I laughed. And it's got a great cast. Not only Owen Wilson, but Stephen Root is like the director of the shows. Uh, Wendy McClendon Covey. She's so oh. funny. And really the main, the female lead is Michaela Watkins, who, if you don't know her name, you probably know her face. She's been in a bunch of stuff. And so for, many things. So many things. And for years now, I've just thought she just is really good all the time. Yeah, agreed. And she seldom gets a, a role this big. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see because she has, she's a character that also works there at the station. She's kind of the manager. And they have, have had a past romantic relationship bob ross not bob ross carl (laughs) (laughs) carl uh, with carl and they have since broken up so maybe there's still something there and she's she's uh, preparing to maybe take a job in new york and leave so uh, that's where you you sort of um, get in the fact well are they going to get back together are they going to not it's funny in spots they're i I get it the fact that some people are hating this movie because if you it's sort of like napoleon dynamite you know if you don't think this movie is funny in the first five minutes it's Don't not, watch the it rest is of it. not for you. Although I will say, it has one of my favorite mid-credits stingers that I've seen in quite some time. Yes. I did not see this coming at all. So clever. Maybe I should have, but I really liked it. So as far as that goes, if you, if you go to it and if you Yeah, it's not maybe the kind of movie where you think to yourself, I bet there's a mid-credit stinger. Right. There is. Stay for it. Yeah, and well, to that point, it's not really mid. It doesn't wait very long. That's good. But it's after. It is after the credits, so don't get up right away and take off because you hate this movie. If you <laughs> if you've made it that far, <laughs> if you've made it that far, stick around for that extra scene because it's very clever and I thought it was a very nice capper. Uh, to to the entire movie. But yeah, it's not great, but I thought it was worthwhile. I I definitely did. And it is in theaters now called Paint. Not about Bob Ross. <laughs> Next is a fantasy drama. Vicky lives with her mother, Joanne, and father Jimmy, a man struggling to find his place. When Vicky's aunt Julia arrives after being released from prison, her presence brings back the past in a violent, magical way. This is called The Five Devils. <laughs> Number one, do not go into this movie thinking it's a horror film because of the title. Yeah, that's it's not at all. Well, that's well two in a row now. We want to make sure people know what they're getting <laughs> that's into. That's right. But that's good because when I first saw the title, I thought it was. Well, yeah, when I hogged the movie to myself for the review, <laughs> it's because I thought it was. Um, and it's not. But it's a, it's a great movie, and it's really, really interesting in the way it's set up. To call it a time travel fantasy is is kind of a stretch. But, but truth is, that is kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. The way that it's set up in that way allows you to see the family drama in a different way. If you if just the family drama itself unfolded, it would feel melodramatic, almost soap opera-esque. But it doesn't at all because of this sort of device that the filmmaker uses. And then the other thing that makes this work so well, Sally Dremay, 
She's of the cute little tiny face and massive hair that are um, on the yeah, screen almost the entire movie. Yeah, she gets teased. Do they call her, what do they call her at school because of her hair? Toilet brush. Toilet brush. She's the cutest kid. Mm. This is the cutest little girl, and um, and she's really, really good. Mm-hmm. She's the lead of the film, really, and so we see everything through her eyes. All of these fights and these arguments with her family it takes a while because of because that's the point of view for us to piece together exactly what is going on. Um, when the sister-in-law moves back home. And uh, and then we get to see what's going on in the past and we get to see what's uh, the impact that it's having on today, but it's much more delicately structured than that. It's really an incredibly fascinating and really well-told movie. The co-writer and director, Leah Mycias, probably mispronounced that, uh, also wrote with Paul Guillaume. And the star, one of the stars, is Adele Exarchopoulos, probably mispronounced that as well. From Blue is the Warmest Color. you may color. remember yeah. Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah. She's also wonderful in this. And yeah. it's a funny thing because they do go back in time, so you see her as an adult with a family, and then you see her in high school, and mm-hmm. it's the same actress, and it's remarkable. You're like, oh yeah, she totally, yeah. I buy her as yeah. a high school student, I buy her as, you know, 20 years later as a mom. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, I can definitely that see she that. can do that. But yeah, it's it's a very interesting movie. Yeah, but not not a horror movie. No, and it's out in theaters now called The Five Devils. Let's go to VOD for an action thriller and kind of a comedy. Uh, Jackie Powers will stop at nothing to prevent his son from following him into a life of crime. With his mob employer in pursuit, a chance encounter at a roadside diner charts a new path. One day as a lion. My son's detention hearing is in three days. I don't even have the lawyer yet. Who talks? Money talks. Yeah, right. Maybe we can help each other. My mom's. she's rich. Get me out of here. Your dad's working on it. Oh, great. That's supposed to make me feel better. I want you to find Jackie, and I want you to bring him to me directly. Oh, God, he's a keeper. I will put up the money for your son. It seems like the right thing to do. There's no need for two He's ready to write you a check. This is very embarrassing. I'll find Jackie again. This time you're gonna whack him. Come on, Polly. Do I look like I'm joking to you? This ain't me scared, boy. This is me pissed off. This is director John Swab, who's been kind of been cranking him out lately. He really uh, had has. a lot this of is movies. His third one this year. Yeah, and he's sort of has a recognizable mo now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets into. Familiar narratives, familiar genres, and then takes them takes a hard left turn. Yes, and they've been compelling, mm-hmm. not perfect, mm-hmm. but this one I think is the first one that he did not write. This is a script from Scott Kahn, right? Who is also the star, and he plays Jackie Powers, who yeah, who has to get some fast money because his son has been arrested. His son's hearing is coming up. He needs money for this flashy uh, TV lawyer who likes to speak in the third person, <laughs> and. It's interesting because the setup, if we just told it to you, it sounds very, okay, generic action thriller. But then, and I credit Scott Kahn with this, the characters are also kooky. And some (laughs) of the things they say and do goes into comedy territory because he ends up kidnapping this waitress, uh, Lola, because he tries to, his his job to get the fast money for his uh, mob employer, who is Pauly, played by Frank Grillo. Um, he tries to to kill this powerful local rancher, played by J.K. Simmons, this is set in Oklahoma, in a diner. And it goes south, and he ends up taking the waitress, uh, Lola, played by Marianne Rendon, out on the run. And then it becomes sort of like a romantic comedy on the run getaway type of thing. And then, you know, you got these hillbillies 
arguing about gymnastics competitions, and you've got Frank Grillo as a mobster yelling about having to wear a belt buckle that sounds like Brad Garrett in a Jimmy John's commercial. <laughs> and it's just all these mash. It, like, on one hand, it kind of looks like something Taylor Sheridan might do, but the characters are also kooky. And it also features Virginia Madsen. Always right. nice to see her. Absolutely. She is a Lola's rich mother who maybe might give them money for the uh, for the hearing. So they go off and see her too. And and she's known as the Black Widow because she has a trail of dead husbands. So mm-hmm. we'll just throw that in there. Sure. It was oddly compelling and uh, oddly watchable. I mean, it's not great, but the characters, the writing, and Scott Kahn. I looked. I wasn't aware how many scripts he has written. He's written a few. He just cannot get away from reminding me of his dad. Maybe that's on me, and of course it's his biology. There isn't much he can do about it. But man, in the way he walks, he walks when he walks down the street, you're just watching Sonny Corleone from The Godfather. I mean, he walks <laughs> just like him. And the way he holds his head, but that, you know, it's his son. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But uh, he writes some interesting characters and some interesting dialogue. Um, it's It's certainly not... It's not great, but it is, it's oddly compelling, and you watch to the end. And speaking of, of stingers, like we were a minute ago for uh, paint, this has a really odd one at the very, <laughs> very, very end of the credits. It almost seems like it, throw, it threw it in there just for their own amusement. I'm still trying to figure out what it means. <laughs> and maybe it's just an inside joke with the cast and crew. Okay, but uh, once again, if you go, go to this movie, if you fire up this movie— might as well watch it till the end. Maybe right. you can tell me, what's the deal? <laughs> what's the deal here? <laughs> but, uh, it's kind of a comedy sort of action thriller. Uh, a little different, but but yeah, oddly watchable. It's out now on VOD called One Day as a Lion. <laughs> Got a fantasy next. This one is on MGM+. Plus. Paul Carpenter is an intern at a mysterious London firm with unconventional employers, including a CEO who wants to disrupt the ancient magical world with modern corporate practices called The Portable Door. I've lost something. Something immeasurably valuable. It's a door. The Portable Door, to be specific. Portable. I need you to find it. Knock, knock. So it goes wherever you want to go. This has just become the best job in the world. Come on! This one is studded with stars. Mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz in two roles. Uh, Sam Neill in a role. Um, Miranda Otto is also in it. There's a bunch of faces that you'll recognize. And it's it's from a book, and it feels like it's from a book. Right away, you're like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely part of some sort of a magical YA series. And it is. And um, But, you know, I think they do a good job on sort of limited budget to create this space spectral other world you know this just humdrum nobody this nice guy gets a job interning at this magical company that he doesn't realize is magical he's just taking whatever job he can get because he's about to lose his flat um and then you know there's goblins and there's uh there's a portable door and it's really kind of just a beach towel and it's all nutty <laughs> sam neil gets to be super mean uh, to a bunch of people and that's fun uh one woman um licks a stapler at one point Mm -hmm. that's very unusual i don't think i mean so in the end of course it's sort of a mystery right as to what this science fiction fantasy concept really is all about and you piece it together and at the end you're like there are two giant plot holes that make this actually not work however it's fun it's uh it's fun i think it's fun christoph waltz has two different roles so that lets him be that sort of scenery chewing evildoer yeah and also act 
Um, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's anything that uh, you know. If if the goal was to kick off a series, I kind of doubt that, especially since it landed just on MGM Plus. Right. Oh, this is director Jeffrey Walker. This might be his his feature. Done a lot of TV. Right. A lot of TV. Uh, so this might be. I'm not sure. This might be his first uh, first feature. I guess, but uh, comes from a lot of TV. So yeah, serviceable. Yeah. And it's entertaining. On, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and again, that's on MGM Plus now called The Portable Door. Next up, a martial arts action movie. This is available on the new channel Haya right. that the Schlocketeer told us about a few weeks ago. Had not heard of that, and that's why the Schlocketeer wrote the review for this, because he loves this sort of stuff. A group of martial artists from around the world search for a book that contains the ancient secrets of how to overcome the limits of the human body. It's called The Fist of the Condor. Yeah, this, as we said, was written at MadWolf.com by Daniel Baldwin, the Schlocketeer, because he he knows all these filmmakers. He knows everybody. He knows their resume. We don't. So he was perfect <laughs> to review this. It's the latest from writer-director Ernesto Diaz Espinosa, who apparently, according to Daniel, has been taking a few years off, but he's back, and Daniel could not wait, and he loved, loved, loved this movie. Yeah, he says it was nearly perfect, and it's it's a, a film, it's the third, it's at least the third that the filmmaker has made with uh, Marco Zoror, who was just, kind of played one of the heavies in John Wick 4. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen John Wick 4, and I assume you have, because we all did, and you're asking yourself, how can I watch some of the movies starring some of these other awesome badasses? Well, here's a way. Well, actually... Just get a subscription to Haya, I think, right. because that is the only way you're going to see this movie. Only way. And uh, and Daniel gave it four and a half stars. Like yeah. it's just nearly perfect. The action sequences are great. The it's he it was almost poetry in motion to watch it. And and uh, and of the pairings between this filmmaker and star, he thought this was probably the best. Yeah, and it's by all means read uh, Daniel's review because he was the perfect one to review this. Not that I don't think we would appreciate it, but not as much as he does no, because we don't. he he has the background to. He really should have been the one to do it, yeah. and and really gives it the uh, full the full uh, look that it deserves. And he comes out giving it the big big recommendation. So if you if you love that stuff like he does, uh, check it out and get Haya. And I still love that title. I love saying it. Haya, oh, yeah. the new <laughs> channel. Who That's thought right. of that name? Give him a raise. I love it because it tells you what's on this channel. Exactly. It's called Haya. Yeah. What do you think is on this channel? <laughs> <laughs> Movies like this, The Fist of the Condor, and Daniel loved it. Let's go to The Circus next on VOD, a drama about a young circus performer stuck under the harsh rules of her father and community expectations, finds herself captivated by small-town America, forcing her to question everything. This is called Balloon Animal. I am Dark Valentine! And I'm Poppy Valentine! My dad just wants to make me assistant manager. You're his daughter, and only Valentine, besides him, still at the circus, who's even capable of running something like this. Are you asking how we'd live our lives if we didn't live in the circus? Yeah, pretty much. I mean... Who knows, right? 
Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us. And, you know, the premise itself, a young woman kind of finding herself, she's got an overbearing parent. She's starting to see the world not through his eyes anymore. It sounds like a lot of different indie films. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you think to yourself, well, it's set in a circus, so there's, it's got to be all about the CDs. It's, it's really neither of those right. things. Right, that's just the setting. It is. It's yeah. just the setting. It's a beautiful sort of, again, sort of poetic rumination on just finding yourself. The performances are wonderful, and it's a lovely movie. I think that you should read Brandon's review on MadWolf.com because I think you'll get a sense as to what it is the filmmaker is doing right here. But it's a big recommendation as yeah, well. Yeah, this is writer-director M. Johnson. It is the it is her feature debut. Done some short films up to now. But uh, according to Brandon says, this is a very, very fine uh, feature, feature debut. for Yeah, and the two main uh, actors involved here, Catherine Waddell plays a poppy. The daughter and her father, who goes by the name of Dark Valentine. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Ilya Volok is the actor there. So good cast and really good feature debut for a promising a new feature filmmaker, uh, M. Johnson. And that is Balloon Animal. It's available on VOD. Brandon has the review at MadWolf.com. Check it out. And one more, a drama on VOD this week. The Morose Conrad pushes everyone away, but little Thurba manages to break through his wall. This is called A Handful of Water. Schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin reviewed this one for us, too. Boy, he was really making up for lost time this He week. was. He was. And this is another one where you think you know where it's going. Um, Conrad has lost his wife, and he just can't break out of his funk, and he pushes away everybody, including his, his grown daughter and their children. And somehow this little girl who is, uh, she is an immigrant from Yemen, and she's trying to avoid the German police, mm-hmm. and so she brings life back to him. And... And it is pretty by the numbers, but the two performances are so outstanding and tender that even though he's really Sutter Kane, no, he's not. <laughs> I just can't see him as anything yeah. else. Jurgen Prochnow. Yeah. You definitely know that face oh, for my sure. Goodness, Sutter yes. Kane and Sutter so Kane. many das other Boot. movies. Das yeah. Boot. He's got a very recognizable look. So, uh, yeah, he is Conrad, and little Thurba is Milena Prebach. And they're wonderful. Yeah. They're wonderful, and the the earnest and lovely performances help the movie, uh, elevate the movie mm-hmm. above its somewhat predictable storyline. Yeah, and uh, it's on VOD. Check out Daniel's review. I uh, got two this week at MadWolf.com, and that is A Handful of Water. And speaking of Daniel, he's everywhere. He's back. Let's check in to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Well, the schlocketeer a little under the weather last week, so he's back, rested and ready. We're checking in the lobby for the latest news. How are you feeling? You better? Oh, yeah. A lot better. Um, if anyone can't make it out to theaters this weekend, uh, you do have some nice VOD options ahead of you as uh, Creed 3, 65, and Shazam 2 are all now available to rent digitally. So they all came out pretty fast. Uh, yeah, especially Shazam 2. <laughs> that didn't take long at all. Definitely not. <laughs> um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania will be available to rent and purchase on VOD come May 16th, with it likely hitting Disney Plus by the end of May. And then moving on to upcoming releases, Crunchyroll is releasing the Road Trip Adventure anime feature Suzumi on VOD and in select theaters on April 14th. Then there is a Michael J. Fox biographical documentary called Still, 
which will premiere on Apple TV Plus on May 12th. Lionsgate is releasing their raucous comedy Joyride in theaters on July 7th. And RLJE will release their underwater thriller The Dive on VOD and in select theaters on August 25th. Now for a big one. Apple is pairing with Paramount for a theatrical release of Martin Scorsese's period piece thriller, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yeah. The nearly four-hour epic will score a limited theatrical release on October 6th, followed by a wide release on October 20th. So lay off the soda when you go see it. (laughs) (laughs) That was about, wasn't The Irishman almost four? I don't think it was. Was it? It might have been. It was long. I think it was a tad over three, but I guess this one's a whole lot longer. All right, settle in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and Universal is unleashing Blumhouse's adaptation of the horror game series Five Nights at Freddy's, both in theaters and on Peacock on October 27th. So they're doing the same thing with it that they did the last two Halloween movies. I think it might actually be a good idea in this regard because, Mario aside, it's kind of hard to galvanize video game fans to leave their homes to see these adaptations. <laughs> so maybe they'll be willing to actually watch it opening weekend, even if they don't want to leave the house. What What game is this? Five Nights at Freddy's. Basically, um, my daughter's obsessed with these, so I actually have a window into it. In the games, you play a security guard who is pretty much watching the inside of a um, like a Chuck E. Cheese or a Billy Bob's Pizza Wonderland at night, but the animatronics all come to life and hunt you. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm in. Sounds interesting. <laughs> right. But I'll tell you, just, just promise me that I will be the first to know when the Frogger movie gets the green light. <laughs> Hey, it might be coming. You never know. Because I'll be ready. Tetris and Mario. (laughs) Uh, Sony has set a November 17th theatrical release for Eli Roth's holiday slasher Thanksgiving, so that is coming out this year. Yay. And uh, Warner Brothers has shifted their Christmas release slate a little bit. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom will now open on December 20th, and their musical adaptation of The Color Purple will open on December 25th. Wow. And then a few that are farther off, Lionsgate has set a June 2nd, 2024 release for their Anya de Armas starring John Wick spinoff Ballerina. And then we have two project announcements from Disney. The first is uh, Dwayne Johnson is retaining with Disney to do a live action take on Moana, playing Maui again and producing. And the actress who voiced Moana is on board to produce and is expected to star in the redo as well. Mm. Seems a little fast for that one for me, but mm. hey, I'm not in charge of a studio. So. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> and the odder one is they are doing a live-action remake of The Aristocats as well, and Questlove is directing. Oh, Questlove. Wow. Oscar-winning Questlove. That's right, Oscar-winning yes. Questlove. At least the music will be good. So it, it's a live-action, but it'll be like... Um... Cats. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm no, it'll be like a Jungle Book live-action, yeah, right? I mean, I'm it's guessing. not going to be people in suits. I would assume it would be like the Jungle Book and the Lion King remakes, but I kind of want it to be like cats. <laughs> <laughs> Hush your mouth. <laughs> well, we're glad you're feeling better. We'll talk next week. Thanks a bunch. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, looking ahead to next week. Boy, one we've been waiting on for a while. It's Nicolas Cage as Dracula in Renfield. Also, The Pope's Exorcist, another yeah. one we're looking forward Come to. Come on. One called Sweetwater. Mafia Mama. Suzume. Little Richard, I am everything. I, Mordecai. Out of the loop. The ants and the grasshopper. Dr. Kalalu. Far East, Deep South, and also a documentary called Imagining the Indian, the fight against Native American mascots. And one more, Martin Scorsese's look at David Johansson's life and personality crisis. Documentary there, so lots to look forward to. But what about this week? Air, Super Mario, Paint, Five Devils, what do you think? Uh, Let us know. 
Always fun to keep the conversation going. You can find us on Twitter easily at Mad Wolf. That's M A D D W O L F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website we've been talking about for all the written reviews. Uh, you can find also our other horror movie only podcast, a new one about to drop, by the way, called Fright Club. New Fright Club has an interview with Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell joins us Groovy on Bruce. Fright Club. So check that out. That's all there for you at madwolf.com. So enjoy the movies. Have a great week. We'll talk next week. Until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. This is the Screening Room Podcast. Happy Easter. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.